Oregon happily handles Hawaii. A nice alliteration for this reaction shows the Ducks beat the Rainbow Warriors 55-10. to 10. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. We're coming up on 3500 on YouTube. Can we get there before the Buffs game? I believe that we can. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. So, everything went basically according to plan. This was a 24 to nothing ball game at the end of the first quarter. Bo Nix has got a lot of time to throw the football. He's spreading the ball around. The Ducks were able to run it. The defense showed up in a big way. Much like the Portland State game, everything looked the way we wanted it to. My prediction was 59 to 17, final score 55 to 10. I got to say, being less than 10 points off on both of those teams, that's not bad. That is that is not bad. So, here's the thing for the Ducks. We know that we're going to play teams much better than Hawaii. We knew that going in. We know that coming out. But when you play these games, you want it to look a certain way. And it just did. Again, does that mean that everything is going to be great? No. It doesn't mean everything is going to be great all the time. Because the penalties, as we're going to talk about later, were an issue once again. But when I look at what Oregon was able to do in this football game, the defense against a better football team in theory, although Portland State is a juggernaut, they they won their game ninety-one to nothing. Um, that is a that is a true, honest to goodness college football score. Um, they won ninety-one to nothing. So Portland State is clearly a power. Um, Hawaii beat Stanford, or no Hawaii? No Stanford beat Hawaii. Sorry that uh, that game. Stanford, boy, they lost to Sacramento State. That's an FCS school, but. Uh, we thought Hawaii would throw the football a lot in this game, and they did. Braden Shager had 43 pass attempts. If I told you before the game that Hawaii, a low-level G5 football team to be sure out of the Mountain West, but not the least competent team, not the least talented team Oregon has ever played, if I told you before the game that Braden Shager would have 43 pass attempts, how many passing yards would you like for this defense to have allowed? Given the opponent and given what we saw from the defense last year, how many would you like to have seen? I would say anywhere from 200 to 250 would have been pretty good because 43, that's a lot of pass attempts. The guy's got a real arm. He can spin it. He had one or two targets. Ashlock is a real player. We, uh, We did all right. Pretty well, actually, holding him in check. Just eight catches for 47 yards. If this had been a 210 yard passing outing with a touchdown and an interception, I would have said, That's a good job from the defense, but they didn't do a good job. They did a great job. 130 yards, 131 to be specific. That's the sort of outing. I know it's against Hawaii, but it's not indicative that the defense is going to be very good against Pac-12 opponents all the time because the penalties have to be cleaned up. It is indicative that a good defense or at least an improved defense 
plays like that against that caliber of competition. It's the same way I feel about Washington right now. Though they thumped Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State's bad and dealing with turmoil and such. But we don't know everything. Oregon State, same kind of thing. We don't know everything because they haven't played a really good team yet. But they have looked the way really good teams look against the level of competition they're going up against. And that's what the Oregon defense is right now. They allowed just seven points and 200 yards of offense to Portland State. Hawaii didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter. I, I mean, the game was the game was over at that point. Like, it was exactly how we wanted them to look. And the defense in particular, I, I thought, stood out from, from what I was able to watch. Now, those of you who know me, everydayers out there, maybe subtext uh, subscribers as well, know that I uh, am the play-by-play voice for Southern Utah University. So I caught about the first half of this game, a little bit less, and then I had to call SAU's game on the radio against UC Davis. Thankfully, I didn't uh, miss too, too much. I went back and watched, uh, you know, as as much as I could and whatnot. But what I saw from the defense was a unit that should have been physically overpowering and was physically overpowering up front. I, I think this defense showed the glimpses that we you know saw against Texas Tech which is they look bigger and more physical up front they look faster at all three levels and they look better they they, they just look better they make more plays they do more things they're more active they're causing more havoc and I look at that defensive line and the three newcomers that I really talked about in addition to having Brandon Dorless back as to why I felt the defensive line would be better than it was in 2022 were Mateo Uyunglele Yep, he looks good. Jordan Birch recorded his first sack and had a good game. And Popo Amavai. Popo looks like a beast. Dan Lanning was asked about Popo specifically in the post game. Said he wishes Popo could play for 10 years. Heck, I do too. I mean, he's old, right? I mean, that's certainly an advantage for him to be as old as he is. He's a very veteran college football player. He's had injuries and redshirt and everything. It stinks that this is his last year because he looks so good. But he has been a pass rush force up the middle that Oregon just didn't have last year. And by the way, Keon Ware Hudson and Taki Taimani are also playing well. We know what Casey Rogers is. And then you bring guys off the edge like Mateo and Jordan Birch and occasionally Brandon Dorless, who also, like I thought before the season, is playing, I think, a lot more inside rather than having to play defensive end uh, all the time, though he certainly lines up there still. I, I think that defensive front looks good. I, I, I really do, and I think the linebackers are solid. I thought they were faster. I thought they were good with their assignments. The secondary shows great glimpses, but, I mean, when you don't really allow a touchdown against a quality passing offense from a G5 team like Hawaii, I, I think Hawaii in the Mountain West this year is probably probably like a five, six-win team. I, I, I think with the way they can throw the football, you know, up front they don't match up super well against a Power 5, but, I mean, that's at the very least – I won't say a bottom feeder because I think they're going to be a little bit better than that. They're probably closer to the bottom than the top. But, you know, like I said, if you are a good defense, if you're a good football team, how does it look against that caliber of opponent? That's how it looks. So that was really, really encouraging. Uh, and the quick start was really on on, on both sides of the football. I, I thought that the offense came out and just made a statement from uh, the get-go. Camden Lewis is still uh, a good kicker. He had the field goal early. The Bo Nix, the Tez Johnson connection is awesome. I mean, it is just simply fantastic. And, you know, we had a lot of different guys carry the football. Uh, my favorite carry of the game was Kenyon Sadiq. Uh, we went under center 
a few times in this one offensively. We went under center and then handed the ball off on a fly sweep to Kenyon Sadiq. I had images of Brock Bowers, not saying that he is Brock Bowers, but that's the sort of play that they run to the best tight end in the country because Sadiq is that sort of athlete. I think he looks awesome. I, I really, really do. And I, I made a prediction, a bold prediction of sorts, kind of before the year saying that, look, if if Kenyon Sadiq ends up being the number three tight end by the end of the year or number two, don't be surprised. And that's not something that we're doing to, to T-Ferg or to Patrick Herbert or Casey Kelly because Sadiq is just that kind of athlete. I, I think that guy's got a really, really bright future ahead of him. But uh, let's just tally up one more time for uh, Bo Nix and company. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different players caught a pass. Those weren't all from Bo Nix. But the wealth is being distributed offensively. Oregon's got a lot of talent. Oregon's got a lot of depth. Uh, that that once again looked good, but the penalties were were once again uh, an issue. So um, I thought Dan Lanning had some really interesting comments about what he is seeing from his team on on that side of the ball. I think LinkedIn College is really interesting too, because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go in there, create a free job post in minutes. Super easy. Then add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you're hiring. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's a little peppermint tea second segment. So I'm recording this show um, early afternoon, my time. I was going to late last night, but I got back at about 4.30 in the morning, 4, 4.30 from UC Davis. So the reaction pod is coming now. But anyway, appreciate you all being tuned in. If you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe. If you want some one-on-one chatting with me via the uh, mobile device in your pocket, you can join the subtext as well, free 14-day trial, that is five bucks a month. If you don't want to do that, guess what? You can still get in touch with me via the mailbag, the old school way, YouTube, or uh, either way on Twitter, at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks. And the show can be consumed exactly how you do it just now. I have no preference, just an option, not a requirement. So uh, Oregon, here's a requirement for the ducks. Penalties have to be cleaned up. Uh, this was a problem last week against Texas Tech. It should have cost us the game, you could argue. It didn't. So when we came back against Hawaii and had nine penalties for 76 yards, Dan Lanning was, of course, going to be asked about it. And you can tell that he's pretty frustrated and irritated with it because we all are. And, and, and we know that going forward, this is not sustainable. We got away with one against Texas Tech. We gave them a bunch of penalty yards. We kept drives alive. We let them move easily down the field. If we don't do that, I think the defense allows closer to 20 points. They certainly allow one last touchdown because, you know, the Kyrie Jackson penalty, he had another interception on uh, on Saturday night. The Kyrie Jackson penalty on third and 18, now that led to a Texas Tech touchdown. Otherwise, we get off the field and I think we go down and score and go up 22-7 to or at least 18-7 to and get a field goal. So last week was 14 penalties for 124 yards that needed to improve. Technically it did, but with the drop-off and the caliber of opponent, it was basically the same. 
nine penalties for 76 yards. That, that's not that's that, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Against Hawaii, it doesn't matter. Oregon could have committed 15 penalties in the game. They still would have won. They could have committed 20 penalty game penalty penalties in the game. They could have committed 24, like Colorado State, I think, was the number they had. Some crazy, crazy number of penalties in uh, in that one in Boulder, uh, a game that we're going to talk about uh, later on today's show. But landing in the post-game presser is clearly aware that it's a problem, frustrated that it's still a problem. And he talked about how they are going to have to change their approach because he said, well, I'm not going to go back and try the same thing. Whatever that was. Excuse me. We're not, we're not going to know exactly what they did last week at practice to try and clean up the penalties. We know that it was attempted to be addressed, and it basically wasn't. Like if, you're, if you have nine penalties for 76 yards against a Power 5 team or against a, a G5 team like Hawaii, if you were playing a Texas Tech or a Colorado or a Washington, which are the games that are looming here for the Ducks, that total is going to be higher because they have a higher caliber of athlete. They have better players. They have better coaching. You can get put in more disadvantageous situations and then end up committing penalties. And Lanning at one point said, look, at some point, if if it can't be cleaned up, then guys can't get on the field. Simple as that. And I think that is the right mentality. Like If there are certain players who cannot be on the field Without committing penalties, I, I like Kyrie Jackson and his physicality. But if he keeps keeps committing penalties, you know, like in that Texas Tech game, Lanning at some point has to just, you know, put his foot down as, as, as the head coach and say, nope, you can't get on the field. You're hurting the team. That's what he said on Saturday. And and I don't know what other mindset to take. I, I mean, I'm not privy to what exactly goes on at practice when you have penalty issues to clean up. But at some point in time, you have to say, I, I, I can't put this guy on the field. And, you know, they've been playing a lot of players defensively time and time again. Uh, they did so against Portland State because it was a big win. They did so against Texas Tech, I think, to keep everybody fresh and because they were playing in the heat and because they have a lot of talented guys. But going forward, I, I think the rotations are going to tighten up if, if we just keep seeing these penalties happen over and over and over. And whether it's along the offensive line, in the secondary, or anywhere else, you, you just cannot have that. And, and at some point, there needs to be, you know, a negative reinforcement mechanism for for guys who are committing penalties over and over again. Because like Lanning said, it's hurting the team. It's, it, it's hurting the team, and you cannot get away with that. If we go to Washington in a couple weeks, or heck, when we play Colorado next week, uh, they won't have Travis Hunter. Uh, I'll, I'll get to all of that. But when we go to Washington in a few weeks, if we go out there and commit 8 to 10 penalties for 80 yards, we're losing that game by two scores. Washington's really good. Their passing offense is lethal. And if, and if we are not able to clean up the penalty situation, like that that can be something I legitimately look at and say, eh, that's why Oregon won't get back to the Pac-12 championship game, which is my barometer for success in 2023. You have to at least get there. Once you get there, we'll see if it was a success based on how the game plays out. Like if you lose on a last second field goal, like eh, is that really a failure? I don't know. Probably not. But if you go there and it's 2021, you get blown out. Yeah, okay, that's that's a disappointment. But my standard, my expectation as an Oregon fan, based on what we've seen this offseason and based on what we saw last season and based on who we have on the team, is, yeah, you, you need to be able to get to the Pac-12 championship game. And if you don't put yourself in a position to do that, you have to be able to assess, okay, well, why is that the case? Right now, it looks like penalties are going to be that factor. And that's something that just, it's just got to get better. 
It's it's just got to get better and it has to get better quickly. I, I know that Colorado isn't going to have uh, Travis Hunter for the game in Eugene next week, but guess what? Shadur Sanders can throw the football. Shadur Sanders can really throw the football, and this game is going to be awesome. Um, I thought it could have been a candidate for game day if there weren't other matchups uh, across the country because the media loves Coach Prime. And look, I get it. I host Locked On Pac-12. I talk about Prime because people want to talk about Prime or want to hate on Prime, and that's that's their prerogative and such. But this is going to be a nationally televised game. It's going to be in the middle of the day on ABC. It's going to be awesome. But Colorado is good enough with Shadour at quarterback to move the football through the air. We, we, we have seen that. And I think Oregon's pass defense is improved from a year ago. But if you come out against a team like Colorado, um, I don't know that it's going to matter against Stanford. I picked them to be last in the Pac-12. I thought they'd be 2-10. They lost to a good FCS team in Sacramento State um, at home, though. That was a bad, bad loss for the Cardinal. They might not win another game this year. I, I think Troy Taylor is actually a pretty good coach. He just is coming into a really, really tough situation uh, that's going to take a while to rebuild. Stanford might be a 1-11 football team this year. And if you do that against Stanford, okay. If you do it against Hawaii, okay. If you do it against Portland State, okay. Arizona State, yeah, you can, you can get away with it. Against the Washingtons, the Utahs, the Colorados, the USC's of the world, Oregon State, not going to fly. It's, it's, it's just not going to fly. So um, that has just got to get better. And if it doesn't, it's going to cost Oregon a game or two. Uh, if you if you keep committing eight to ten penalties for seventy to one hundred yards in a game or more, all right, let's talk about Colorado. So the Buffs are three and zero. They're in the top twenty, as they should be. They won't have Travis Hunter, their standout do it all guy, because he got a hit on a late hit against Colorado State. Things were chippy. Uh, a Ram came over and popped him while he's running around down the sideline. I don't think he meant to hurt him. He definitely meant to hit him, and hurting him was uh, an unfortunate byproduct of that. But Travis Hunter, bottom line, won't be there. Uh, that affects their defense more than their offense. Their their offense is Shador Sanders. He's really sharp. Like he's he's. I'm really impressed with him. I mean, he looks like an NFL guy. His decision making, his arm, his accuracy. I, I, I've been thoroughly impressed. And I had questions about him coming in, as I do for any quarterback coming from the FCS level. But I look at Shador Sanders, and I see a guy that is polished, that is poised, that can make big-time throws, that can make NFL throws, that can make special throws. Like, he is a really, really good quarterback. And Oregon has to be on their best for him next week. But the stage for this game is just going to be fantastic. I mean... Coach Prime and the Buffs almost nearly had a disastrous situation on their hands uh, on on Saturday night in Boulder, in which they almost lost as a 23-and-a-half-point favorite at home to Colorado State, who got housed by Washington State. That, 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 is, that was almost an absolute mess. But nevertheless, they escaped. They had sloppy play, and they escaped. And they come in Oregon uh, 3-0. and Plenty of thoughts on the stage that's there. Plenty of great thoughts about FanDuel as well. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 of bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is super easy to use. Got a great interface 
interface. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you wanted to bet Oregon against Colorado, the line last I checked was sitting around 14, 14 and a half. Maybe some of you want to hammer the Ducks. Maybe some of you want to hammer the Buffs. Either way, FanDuel's got you covered. So this is going to be an awesome matchup. Like everywhere Coach Prime goes, attention follows. This is going to be a nationally televised game. This is an opportunity for the Ducks to win over the segment of the country who think Coach Prime is obnoxious and terrible and awful for the sport and everything like that. A lot of people will be rooting for Oregon, including us, obviously. But I, I look at the buffs and say, okay, no Travis Hunter. That makes their defense more vulnerable. Their defense was already... Oregon's going to, going to be able to score points on Colorado. Colorado State put up 28 points on the road. Oregon's scoring at least 30. We should be able, frankly, to put up 40. It'll be a, a measure for the defense. Uh, it'll be a... The ter- determining factor of I think we're going to win, how much we win by, is what does the defense do? I have no qualms about the offense here, especially without Travis Hunter. He would have shadowed Troy Franklin, I think, probably the entire game. The guys that are after him on the depth chart are just not as good. Like, you look at their defensive performances. They played well against Nebraska, which has an abysmal offense. TCU put up 42 points and threw two red zone interceptions. Colorado State put up 28 points in regulation uh, and 35 total with with the overtime. So uh, I'm not worried about Oregon's offense. I, I just look at the defense and say, you just hold Shador under 300 yards passing, you're going to be just fine. You are going to be absolutely, positively just fine in uh, in the football game. But it's kind of wild. Not kind of. It is. It is wild. That this is a game that has turned into must-see TV. Oregon against Colorado has literally never, not a single solitary time, been must-see TV. I believe we've only lost to the Buffs once since they joined the Pac-12, and that was in that 2016 season. That was at Autzen Stadium. Dakota Prukop was the quarterback. We went 4-8. and eight. That was a horrible, no good, very bad year. We've beaten the Buffs every other time. Even in 2015, when Vernon Adams got hurt, we went to Boulder and beat him. But this is a different team with some NFL players, most notably their quarterback, Shador Sanders. And having that stage, that opportunity, I think is awesome for the Ducks. I think it's awesome for the Buffs as well. Their their fan base deserves it. They are passionate. They are loyal. They show up. They rushed the field on Saturday against Colorado State, and they rushed it against Nebraska, which is, again, it's the Coach Prime world. Like, I, I I really don't feel super strongly about the whole pomp and circumstance involved with Colorado football because I understand it, and it is clearly effective. It gets annoying sometimes. It, like, they remind me of LeBron James. I can look at it from afar, appreciate it for what it is and why it works, and have fun watching it, and then there are times where I roll my eyes. Okay? Social media handles on the back of practice jerseys. Roll my eyes. Rushing the field against Nebraska and Colorado State. Oh, goodness gracious. But everything about Prime and the buffs and the energy, it's a perfect fit. Because Colorado didn't have a single reason to be talked about, and now they have every reason to be talked about. And also, they've turned things around and showed you what is possible in the transfer portal world. Not everybody's got Coach Prime's ability to just draw in talent via the, via the portal, of course. But uh, this is a Colorado team that is much better than I expected. Is going to give Oregon a good solid test in week one of Pac-12 play. I fully expect the Ducks to win. 
Then the following week, we go play Stanford. Fully expect them to win that game as well. Then the bye week, and then it gets real. And, and then and then you know what gets real uh, against the Huskies, and then the Cougars, and then uh, and then I think it's Utah, and then it's Cal, and then it's USC and Arizona State and Oregon State. So um, we're, we're starting to get there. But 3-0 is where the Ducks wanted to be. It's where I thought they would be at, at this point in time. And it hasn't always been perfect. There are still things to clean up. But not having played your best football yet, and being 3-0 with a couple of blowout wins against inferior opponents like you should, where you allow a combined 17 points and then going and winning at uh, a Power 5 team in a hostile environment where you really didn't play your best football, it's a pretty good spot for Oregon to be in at this point in time. And I think the, the lead-up to the Buffs game is going to be uh, – there's going to be a lot of attention on the Ducks this week. Can't wait. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.